do 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 Making your way in the world today takes everything you got. This comes to us from Jordan Maywood. Next up, we have Jordan. He's going to tell a joke. We got an answer for Jordan Maywood. Yes, Wood May. Hello, this is Penn Gillette. The possibility exists that if I were to actually listen to the Liberal Cube podcast featuring host Jordan Maywood, I could potentially enjoy it. Eh, I'll ring an endorsement, I guess. Potentially enjoy this episode, which will start after the other half of my magical comedy duo, Teller, gives us a countdown. Take it away, Teller. Hello, welcome to the Liberal Cube. Uh, my name is Jordan Maywood, and I am the Lackadaisical Liberal Cubicalist. This show is similar to a journey one would take if you were shrunken down and went into my brain and could see things other than just brain matter, but things like what I'm thinking about. Yeah, because that's how being shrunk down and going in a brain works i guess oh my god off the rails at minute one terrific a professional podcaster would perhaps perhaps i'm not saying this is a guarantee stop and start over i however am not so i will not i refuse Anyways, I will start a timer that will start a series of five, five-minute segments, and we will talk about all the things said aforementioned, said aforementioned, <laughs> brain has consumed, uh, you may not have consumed some of these things yourself, so I warn of the possibility of spoilage. Spoilage. Pushing timer now. some things. Movie monologue. Today's movie monologue sponsor is Coors. Movie the first, Trekkies. Ah, Trekkies. You remember this little uh, this little gem from what year was this? 1997. Oh man, that's uh, older than I thought it was for some reason. Uh, yeah, so uh, I, I will give a bit of a spoiler in terms of this podcast. That uh, the reason I watch this is because on Star Trek: The Next Conversation, which is another podcast, uh, they uh, took a break from uh, talking about slash kind of yeah I guess so slash reviewing. Uh, uh, Star Trek The Next Generation episodes, uh, sort of mid-season, they decided to watch this movie, which uh, is a very logical thing to do, which is nice because Vulcans. Uh, I, it's probably, if I had to guess, it's maybe my third viewing of this, but uh, it's been some years, and I forgot how much this movie sort of warms the cockles of your hearts. If you don't feel a, sort of a, a, a glow towards humanity after watching this, you are a monster, sir. Or madam. Uh, Rating-wise, uh, I think this is a perfect movie to do one of my patented convoluted ratings. If you don't like Star Trek or are, are somehow unaware of Star Trek, uh, I think you'll probably give it maybe a, a probably closer to a three. But if, like myself, you consider yourself a Trekkie, 
like the titular <laughs> Trekkies, uh, then I think you're going to go much higher. Uh, I'd go as high as a five even because it, it, it's really like I'll watch this and, and the people in it and they're just sort of pouring forth their love of this thing that I also love. And you can really feel a kinship with them. And, and literally, your heart is warmed. I, I can't think of a, a movie even off the top of my head that has warmed my heart so much as this. Uh, I wonder if they'll do Trekkies 2, perhaps. So, convoluted rating completed. Uh, next movie is Hereditary. <laughs> what was the movie... Uh, okay, well, I'll just tell you the, the, the brief story that I kept hearing about this movie on podcasts, and somehow, some way, I got hereditary confused with the word inheritance, which they sort of share a root word, so it's not totally insane. So uh, I sort of talked it up to the missus. Oh, yeah, you gotta hear. I keep hearing about this movie, uh, Inheritance. It's really good. Uh, and we watched it, and it was okay. I, I don't know what I gave it. Looking back, I feel like I gave it like a three, maybe. Uh, which, if you are unfamiliar with my rating scale, three is enjoyed while watching, but probably wouldn't watch again. Uh, that was Inheritance. Now that we actually watched the movie that I meant to watch originally, Hereditary. Oh, man, this movie is fucked up. Jeez, <laughs> uh, will I go a five? Five on the fucked up o-meter, if such a thing exists. Um, four plus on just a watching a movie thing. Uh, the only reason I take some things off is because it's a little confusing what exactly is going on and why, perhaps. Uh, even at the end, you're kind of left with some questions, I felt like. Which, uh, you know what? Uh, okay, I'll, I'll say this. I like a, a movie where I don't know what's going to happen, and this had that. Uh, I, I much prefer that to a movie where I know exactly what's going to happen from like the first 10 minutes uh, that I'm not a fan of. So at least it airs on the side of that thing that I just said. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, uh, we're going to run out of time. Uh, next is Smokey and the Bandit. Yes, uh, we uh, recently lost Mr. Burt Reynolds. So I thought I would watch uh, one of his most famous roles, uh, which I hadn't seen in some years. And uh, it does hold up. Uh, it is what it is, this movie. Uh, a, a dude... Definitely a dude. Um, driving a car fast. You got a, a girl in there. Trucks. <laughs> uh, the bandit is hired on to run a tractor trailer full of beer over state lines in hot pursuit by a pesky sheriff. Okay, well that's dumb right there because he's not driving the tractor trailer. He's driving that uh, Trans Am, I believe it is, I think. Uh, and he's sort of doing that as a distraction for the cops so that the tractor trailer can drive fast. And uh, yeah, okay. Is that actually a thing? Perhaps? I don't know. So Smokey is the driver of the truck, right? Yeah, I guess it is. Anyways, um, if this 1977-style craziness uh, sounds like something that would be up your alley, uh, if you love a little classic mustachioed Burt Reynolds, you will like this. Uh, I'd go like a 4 or 4+, plus, depending on what mood you are in, let's say. Uh, lastly, uh, I knew I'd run out of time. The Hills Have Eyes from 2016. Uh, yeah, I forget why this came up. But uh, the missus and I hadn't seen it in a while, and I know uh, it's, it's the type of movie she likes for some reason, which is weird. Uh, uh, it's the, you, know, you know what uh, I'm curious about? 
and I often try and always fail to get audience participation. Has anyone listening to this seen the original Hills Has uh, Hills Have I? Uh, either the first one or the second one. Uh, I wonder if it's anywhere comparable to these. Like, is it a, is it good? Is it a B movie? Is it so bad it's good? I I wonder. Maybe you know what I'm doing. Uh, maybe I'll make a mental note and forget about it. Uh, this is a bit of a spoiler for next episode of The Mrs. and I Watched The Hills Have Eyes 2. So maybe I'll go The Hills Have Eyes from 2016, uh, and then The Hills Have Eyes 2, next one, and then I'll watch the originals, uh, in corresponding weeks. Thoughts? Comments? Questions? Concerns? Uh, The Hills Have Eyes, it's, it's another... Oh boy, uh, similar to Hereditary in that there's moments where you're going to cringe and feel uncomfortable and get sweaty palms. Um, which, if you like movies that just sort of calm you and, and you can escape from reality and just sort of feel good afterwards, do not watch these movies. <laughs> uh, but but sometimes it's nice to watch something like this where you're like, oh Jesus Christ, what the fuck? Uh, and then you come back to actual life and feel like, oh man, I was, thank God things are not like that. Uh, so for that reason, I'll give it uh, like a four-ish, a four-ish, The Hills Have Eyes, from 2006. Television Talk. Today's Television Talk sponsor is Grounder Beef. Thank you for that sponsorship. Okay, uh, we're talking the 100. That is the word, the, followed by the number 100. Available, at least from my perspective, on Canadian Netflix, seasons 1 to 5, and I do believe season 6 is in the works. So it is, needless to say, a fairly popular show. Uh, Set 9... Uh, set 97 years. Oh, why 97? Why not go 99 or 100? Come on. Set 97 years after a nuclear war has destroyed civilization, when a spaceship housing humanity's lone survivors, should put that in quotes, sends 100 juvenile delinquents back to Earth in hopes of possibly repopulating the planet. Hmm. Okay, so first and foremost, uh, my number one knock against this show is it's sort of a little bit oozy with a teen drama kind of feel. Uh, That sort of waxes and wanes, though. Uh, When it is not really present, that sort of feel that you're watching 90210 set on a post-apocalyptic Earth. Oh, that's an interesting idea. I guess that's what they were going for, maybe. Anyways, when that wanes and and they're not really focusing on that sort of, uh, like, jealousy between relationships and, and dumb stuff like that uh this is a good show uh the, the there's cool ideas cool sci-fi ideas it's got some like lost feel for some reason i, I guess because it's quite often jungle like maybe that's why uh it, quite often mysterious things are happening and you're you're not quite sure you'll go some episodes where there's more questions than answers uh, what this does that Lost didn't always do is explain things, so you do have the satisfaction of eventually knowing what's going on. Uh, although I will say, uh, I put in my description, I watched season season one to five-ish. Uh, five-ish, because I'm uh, not yet done season five. Uh, I was actually debating, uh, and I will we'll say this prior to my rating, um, debating 
uh, after I finished season four, stopping and not continuing. Um, season four ended in such a way where you could potentially walk away with, so you'll still have some questions, but there was a kind of, sort of, kind of, sort of ending to it. Uh, but then they sort of jump ahead six, seven years uh, to where this whole new set of circumstances are, are, are sort of in play. Okay, so you got the 100 juvenile delinquents. Uh, you've got, uh, and these will be spoilers, you've got people who somehow survived the apocalypse and are living on the ground, um, broken up into different camps. There's, uh, at least at first, there's ones who were in a, uh, like a bunker. Uh, there's ones who are sort of mutated a bit, as you do. Uh, radiation uh, plays a strong role in this show. Um, and then there's factions just sort of pop up occasionally. Uh, and it seems like, uh, and this is one of the cool things and something that I'm glad they did, which shows, I think that the show, uh, is a little better than maybe initially you might think after the first couple episodes is they don't tell you how the apocalypse happened until I think like the second or third season. Like it's a while before you get in there. And you know what? I'm not going to spoil that uh, just as a sort of tease for you to potentially watch this because I think it is worth a watch. Uh, if you get to season four uh, and decide to stop so far in season five, things are very interesting, but uh, I haven't had any holy shit moments like, holy shit, I can't believe this is happening. It's just sort of uh, doing a little bit more of the same. So rating wise, how do I do this? I'd go, uh, it ranges from episodes that are uh, 902 and 0 in a post-apocalyptic world, not very up my alley too, all the way to, holy shit, I can't believe that just happened in this post-apocalyptic world that has no 90210 vibes whatsoever, five. Ah, that is in one of my higher convoluted ratings when when it's multiple sentences long. Uh, yeah, okay, so I'm seeing, seeing here that Season 6 is uh, coming out uh, next year, 2019. So, uh, potentially I will uh, be back for, to talk about this again, maybe. Conan, the Librarian. Don't you know the Dewey Decimal System? Today's book banter is The Princess Bride by William Goldman. Oh, thank you for that, William Goldman. Uh, yes, uh, most of you, I would assume, have uh, seen or heard of the movie The Princess Bride, and it was a book before, which I will be 100% Amish with you. I'm not, I don't think I knew that it was a book before. So, that's something. Uh, it is a very good book. <laughs> The end. Rating-wise, uh, can I go a 5? I'll go between a 4 and a 5. Uh, you know what? Closer to a 4. Uh, and the only reason closer to a 4 is because if you've seen the movie, you've pretty much... Uh, like, there's not much added. Uh, in, in fact, you'll be fairly amazed, I do believe, how closely uh, the, uh, the movie follows the book. Uh, like, shockingly so. Like, I, I've read books and watched movies, and uh, I can't think of a time where I've had two so close to one another as this. Uh, the main sort of uh, bonus, I would say, of reading the book, other than the fact that then the books I was better, which this is, uh, 
Or is it? Oh, shit. Yeah, you know what? I just realized. I think I... I don't know if I've ever done it on the podcast. I would assume I have. Uh, watched the movie and given it a 5 out of 5. And now I'm just saying I'm giving this a 4 out of 5. So, jeez, is this like an exception to that rule as well? Oh, my God. I think it might be. Holy cow. Apologies, William Goldman. I loved your book, but I think the movie's better. Whew. I'm flabbergasted. I'm speechless. This is not good on a podcast. Anyways, uh, what this book does that the movie doesn't, which I very much like, uh, is it goes into the backstories of uh, the three initially bad guys. So uh, the Sicilian, uh, Montoya, Inigo Montoya, you killed my father, prepared to die, and uh, Andre the Giant. <laughs> Although that's not what he called. In the, it'd be funny if in the book they just called him Andre the Giant, even though the book came first. I would appreciate that, but it does not happen. Anyways, yeah, so they go into uh, their individual backstories uh, for like a chapter each sort of thing. And uh, it's, it's really interesting. You know what? Uh, uh, reading this and then watching the movie would be uh, a genius just because then you would have much more appreciation for why these three sort of came together. Uh, and it's explained really well and so, sort of fascinating how it happened and why they are how they are. Like, uh, it, it very much goes into how uh, Inigo Montoya... Uh, his father was killed and uh, why he sort of devoted his life to uh, killing the six-fingered man. Uh, it, it explains how uh, Andre the Giant, I'm just going to call him, Fezzik, yeah, Fezzik, uh, how he was uh, sort of lost his family. It's, it's got a very, especially for those two, a uh, D&D feel of uh, your parents are killed, so you sort of set out on the path of vengeance into the world uh, and end up uh, being part of a band of adventurers sort of thing, uh, which, of course, I appreciate, as I played D&D for four-ish, five-ish hours yesterday, speaking of, speaking of. Um, the Sicilian, do- <laughs> I, I, yeah, it doesn't go into as much detail about him, I felt like, uh, but maybe it's because at, if you haven't read the book or seen the movie, at one point he dies. Speaking of death, uh, that was also interesting, uh, the uh, uh, Prince Humperdinck in this much 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 more fleshed out as well uh, he's like I, I know it mentions in the movie that he's a good hunter but uh, here he has like within the uh, cellars dungeon basement of his castle uh, devoted like an entire uh, many levels to fighting and hunting various animals and it really sort of goes into that so interesting as well it's basically like with any time it's a book and a movie you're going to get much more detail in the book and that's why i always feel it sort of pulls you in uh, more than a more than the movie does it's just here the movie is so so very good like one of the best movies of all time basically like is it in the top 10 just movies that people love in general i feel like it might be <sighs> still read the book uh written in 19 oh so it was written in 1973. Wow. Okay, before I was born. And the movie, 1987. Game Gabin. Today's Game Gabin sponsor is rather a double movie monologue sponsor. Yes, 
eight movies instead of four this episode because I didn't really play games so much. Anyways, that sponsor is Pop Culture Soda. Thank you for that sponsorship. Okay, I dusted off a classic uh, Michael J. Fox film, Doc Hollywood from 1991. Uh, for some reason, I had very fond memories of this movie. Uh, I find quite often there'll be movies from the 80s and 90s where I'll be like, oh yeah, I remember that. I remember liking that as a young person. Uh, and this was one of them. And does it hold up? Meh, kind of, sort of, kind of, sort of. Uh, it's, it's a 90s comedy. I will say that. There's no denying that. The numbers are there. Uh, Rating-wise, I go like a three and change. Um, I think maybe now that I've rewatched it, uh, the luster, the nostalgia has been uh, sh sh taken off a little bit. Perhaps. Perhaps. Uh, a young doctor causes a traffic accident in a small town and is sentenced to work for some days at the town hospital. Yeah, that right there, that plot seems... Uh, fictionalized. Uh, uh, Michael J. Fox is good. Uh, who is he playing? Julie Warner's good. You know, Woody Harrelson, he he stole his scenes, I would say. Uh, all in all, a good 1990s comedy with some uh, your typical romance. Bit of a rom-commy, I suppose you could say. Oh yeah, it's it's here. Comedy, drama, romance. So that makes sense. Uh, yeah. Okay, moving on to Ready Player One from 2018. Yeah, I uh, hadn't seen it yet. Heard it wasn't the greatest. Uh, and I think this movie goes to show that uh, the reason I am bad at reviewing things is because I tend to like almost everything. <laughs> uh, Rating-wise, yeah, I give it like a 4, almost a 5 out of 5. Really, really liked it. Uh, when the creator of a virtual reality world called Oasis dies, he releases a video in which he challenges all Oasis users to find an Easter egg, which will give the finder his fortune. Uh, I think particularly the scenes where they were in the Overlook Hotel from The Shining, that was really cool. Uh, I wasn't expecting... Uh, for some reason, I thought this was more live-action um, than this, but I, I guess it makes sense if they're going to spend time in virtual reality, it's going to be a, a mostly CG movie, which I don't mind. Maybe that's why, is that why perhaps people didn't like it that much? Uh, all the, all the CGI, primarily CGI stuff, but I like that. Like, you know what it obviously, and, and this is not a stretch by any means, reminded me of, uh, the television show Reboot, obviously, right? The, 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 it's like freakishly like reboot down to the uh, uh, pop culture references even uh, and being inside a computer uh, the uh, the actor main guy what's his name uh, Ty Sheridan yeah he was good Olivia Cook I love TJ Miller yeah he's had some troubles with him lately Simon Pegg yeah uh, everyone in it is good uh, what are some knocks against it I don't really like people say they uh, they didn't really like the story the story the story the story I guess is that the main shot against it evil corporation mm, been done before I so I, I suppose Steven Spielberg uh, you know can can do no wrong when it comes to making movies for the most part uh, yeah good stuff moving on to Arizona ah anytime there's a uh, cover of a movie poster uh, movie box DVD box whatever you want to call it where it's got uh, the the faces of uh, all the different characters in the movie and it's a, a dark comedy 
I, I feel like quite often those are ones that are really up my alley. This included. <laughs> What's the description? I bet you it's weird. Set in the midst of the 2009 housing crisis, crisis this darkly comedic story follows uh, Casey Fowler, a single mom and struggling realtor whose life goes off the rails when she witnesses a moida. Uh, yes. Uh, uh, Danny McBride praised the... Praise. He also plays the murderer. And he's just a, a crazy person. Basically on a murderous rampage. And uh, he's also a bit of an idiot, which is where the comedy comes in. <laughs> I love a dark comedy. I don't know what it is. I think it's when I watch a just comedy, there's not enough darkness and that doesn't feel real. And when I watch like just a drama, there's not enough comedy and that doesn't feel real. I feel like a dark comedy is the closest to what actual real life is and maybe that's something of my life that it's both funny and dark and depressing and sad and also you have to laugh you have to laugh last but uh maybe least winchester oh god yeah i'm gonna blame this one on the missus and she doesn't listen so i can do that um she bugged me to get this movie a million times i finally did and i i had some uh thought there was some potential for it but i gotta say it was bad yeah like uh i <laughs> as someone who's already said i'm bad at reviewing because i like everything and now saying this is bad you could tell that means it's really bad so i'm gonna go like a like a two or less. Uh, it's based on uh, the true story, quote-unquote, of the Winchester Mystery House, which is something I'm interested in. Like, you know what? I would rather uh, watch a documentary on, uh, like, a well-done, I bet you Netflix actually could do a, a good uh, documentary on this subject, on the Winchester Murder Mystery House, whatever it's called. Um, yeah, that would be cool. This was not. It's just uh, boring, not scary. Uh, Helen Mirren, she's fine. Like, she's an amazing actress. It's just the role. I don't think there wasn't anything there. Even the the main guy, uh, played by Jason Clark, uh, he's a good actor. I like him. Uh, it, it's just the. It, it just was boring. Yeah, plain and simple. internet intercourse sponsor is Savic Vulcan Massage. Thank you for that sponsorship. Item in the first, Star Trek, colon, the next conversation, colon again, Trekkies. Yes, as I mentioned at the top of the show, one of my favorite podcasts, Star Trek, the next conversation, spoke of the 1997 movies Trekkies on one of their episodes. So this is getting really meta here. Not only, yeah, I'm talking of a podcast that talked of a movie and I talked of the movie as well. I don't know what's going on. Why am I doing this? This, is the, this has made me consider the futility of life. Yeah. Jeez, thanks, guys. But seriously, folk, I don't pluralize that because I assume there's only one person listening to this. Uh, this was an amazing episode. Uh, it was smart of them, I think, to 
uh, break up the seasons with a little thing like this. Uh, not even just for the audiences, for themselves to get a little uh, variety, as that is, I have heard, the spice of life. Uh, and, and plus, the other thing I love is that, uh, like, I watch Trekkies and then I listen to the uh, podcast, which is, I suppose, the best way to do it, order-wise. Uh, and then, like, all the feels and things I thought um, while uh, watching the movie, they then sort of, it's almost like they verified my existence. Like, oh, yeah, we feel these things. Uh, oh, yeah, this warmed our heart. Oh, yeah, we like this part. And then as they're saying that, I'm like, yeah. Yeah, they're right. I did think that. Uh, so, you know, that feels good. Uh, stupid validation from uh, people on the internet. Hey, it can go both ways. You can get good feelings, and you can get uh, not-so-good feelings. Segue into good feelings. Uh, I had good feelings watching Primetime, which is a web series, we'll just call it, a series of videos on the internet on a YouTube channel called Eater which I have now subscribed to in the hopes of seeing more of these videos. Uh, there's something about watching, and uh, if you're a vegan, vegetarian, you will not like this <laughs> thing. Let's un underline that right now. Something about watching people cook uh, delicious meats <laughs> on the internet every once in a while. I'll just like watch it and be like, oh, Jesus Christ, that looks good. And the mouth literally watches. Uh, washes. Waters, rather. Uh, and, okay, you know what? It's just to not focus on that anymore, in case you are vegan or vegetarian, because I don't judge, and I hope you don't either. Well, probably you do, though. Uh, <laughs> anyways, uh, can you watch people preparing, like, a delicious salad, and does your mouth water, like uh, a carnivore can when someone is making, for example, the world's most expensive experiment we've ever done, which was a porchetta, but instead of uh, 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 with a pig did with beef. It was huge. It weighed 60 pounds before they cooked it. And they cut that baby open, and my God, that looks so good. My mouth literally watered as I was thinking about it. Anyways, yeah, can, can a, a vegetarian or vegan look at a vegetarian or vegan dish being prepared, and does their mouth water? Do they feel that feeling that I feel? Is a question I legitimately have? And the answer, obviously, could be yes. I'm, I'm asking as a, a legitimate query... Uh, further audience participation that I will not get. But, hey, it's fun to try. Uh, Danny O'Dwyer returns. Yes. Uh, he's been doing his no-clip docs uh, on and off, but uh, recently had a baby, so took a couple of months off. Good for him. Um, and now he's going to be back. And, gonna, and you know what I'm looking forward to? Uh, he's going to be trying some vlogging, it sounds like, which uh, he's someone who I could just sit and watch him talk about stuff so vlogging <laughs> obviously will be a good fit uh and plus he's going to do some video game reviews and uh, show some loot he's got uh, i don't know i'm excited uh, going forward and i can guarantee i will bring back uh to the internet intercourse some danny o'dwyer stuff as i always do i, I tend to bring back a lot of his stuff just because uh, i strive to be him in some regards hey Okay, uh, last but not least, D&D, uh, uh, &D, oh yeah, my first D&D &D side quest and player death. 
yeah, so uh, I usually tend to jam this into internet intercourse, but it kind of fits in book banter sometimes. I don't know, I just jam it in wherever I want. Uh, and that is that I am a DM, or GM if you prefer, Dungeon Master or Game Master, uh, and I'm running a, uh, a uh, ongoing D&D uh, campaign. We're uh, at level 13 now. We started at 1, we're going to 20. Uh, it's been going on for quite a few months. We only play about once a month. Okay, so that's the backstory. Uh, for the first time since I started, uh, had had a player unable to make a uh, session, uh, and I didn't want to cancel, uh, and I did sort of have things planned in case that ever did happen, uh, in the way of side quests, or one-shots, sometimes called. Uh, yeah, I should put one-shot uh, instead of side quests, because sort of two different things. If you're unfamiliar, uh, it, it's just like away from the main story for a bit, or sometimes pe people treat them as totally separate from the story but uh but mine's still sort of connected to it anyways uh so there's this character in my uh campaign named benny buttons uh and he is a uh what is he an artificer uh he's a npc who is aging backwards because he was cursed huh benny buttons aging backwards you see where i'm going Benjamin Button. Okay, yeah, it's uh, not that much of a stretch. Okay, so um, the uh, the one shot, the side quest, depending on how you want to look at it, was to uh, cure him of this curse of this aging backwards. So what the uh, players had to do was travel to the plane of shadow where Shar, mistress of uh, loss, uh, I think. Anyway, sh yeah, I think that's her name, Shar. Anyway, I took that from actual sort of D&D &D lore. Uh, she had a part of his soul um, that when he was a baby, she was going to sort of uh, use it to pull him back to the realm of shadow uh, and keep him trapped there for eternity. That, that old chestnut. Uh, so they had to journey there to get back his soul shard, which I will say, spoiler alert, they did do. Congratulations. Um, so now he's going to start aging forwards again. Anyways, um, uh, during the course of this, uh, in fact, in the final battle, had my first player death. Uh, had never killed a player before in any of my campaigns, although this is my first campaign. So uh, on the one hand, felt bad, uh, but uh, there was another uh, mission where uh, they helped the god Bahamut uh, stop... Um, uh, the mother of all monsters, I forget what her name is, uh, sort of stop her incursion into the realm, uh, and he granted them a boon of uh, a one-time player resurrection. So, although I, I did feel bad <laughs> that I had a player actually die for the first time, uh, he was uh, eventually, once they got back to the Bureau of Balance, um, you can see I'm stealing that from uh, the Adventure Zone. Once they got back there, uh, that he was resurrected with that uh, one-time-only spell. So now, if someone else dies, uh, <laughs> I don't have anything in place to uh, bring them back. So uh, adds a little a little fear. Uh, the way he died was so uh, this uh, this girl Shar, this uh, basically god, had control of shadow 
and also she's in the plane of shadow so those two things combined meant she was pretty powerful so she called up this giant uh shadow creature that was sort of half basically like liquid shadow is how you could look at it uh they managed to destroy that but it sort of exploded and covered them in this liquid shadow that sort of pulled them into uh, like a lake of this liquid, uh, and, and then it wasn't just swimming, it was sort of swimming with disadvantage because it was trying to pull them down, like literally, uh, and, and one of the players, a white mage, uh, the, the least HP of the group, which I suppose sort of makes sense, uh, he was, uh, drowned, basically, and he, oh yeah, like, it got down to the last death save, like, he had two su successes, and then he had two fails, uh, and then on the last one, he failed and died. So if you're unfamiliar, uh, and we'll end on this, just so you can get the the idea of the amount of tension of what I'm describing. Uh, when you are playing D&D &D and all your hit points are gone and you're knocked unconscious, you start rolling death saves. Uh, you need three successes and you pop back up and you're, uh, you have one hit point or you have three failures and you die. You literally die. Uh, your character, <laughs> not yourself. We don't we we don't play that seriously. Anyways, uh, so he rolled two successes uh, on his turns, and you know when you do that, you're thinking, oh yeah, that's pretty good. I, I'm probably gonna be fine. Um, but then he rolled two failures, and then on the last one, it is really fifty fifty chance. It's actually a little bit better odds because you're rolling a twenty sided die, and uh, ten to twenty count as successes, and one to nine count as failures so you actually have slightly better than 50 50 odds uh, but he still managed to not succeed and die hmm. also there was a unicorn in there okay folks we did it thank you thank me even hey why the hell not it's nice to be nice to the nice This is the end of the show. A sincere thank you for listening. Time to plug some things and I do not mean. Buts. You can like us on Facebook. You can follow Jordan underscore Maywood on Twitter. You can subscribe and comment on iTunes. Lastly, if you would like to contact the podcast, you can email jordan.maywood at gmail.com. I would like to conclude that I am not a robot and that I have a theory. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. Nah, something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come, and babe, won't it be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. Wait till the warm-up's underway. Wait till our lips have met. Wait till you see that sunshine day You ain't seen nothing yet The best is yet to come and be Won't it be fine The best is yet to come Live long and prosper